Hello everyone and welcome to episode 123 of Link to the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera. On the show this week, Toad is in the news, and if you don't know why, I bet you can't guess. More tiny consoles under the tree this holiday season. Tom Nook lost the kids in the divorce. And in the book club this week, we're going to talk about the highs and lows of superhero and movie tie-in games, but in particular, Spider-Man 2. Let's start the show. This is Link to the Cast, episode 123, from your friends at linktothecast.eu, available on all your favourite podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. I'm your party host, Dave Ryan. Mark Robinson is away on assignment because he kicked the cord on his laptop so hard the charger broke, but standing in in his stead is a man who has yet to punt his laptop charger, the Roman Reigns of audio, Jack Lazell. Yeah, I uh, I'll be close at some point if uh, if this podcast doesn't work out the way I want it to, which is me <laughs> gushing about Spider Man for most of it. Yeah, we we went to record this show last night, myself and Mark. I even sent out a tweet about it, and like Mark was just setting up, and like this usual, I'll be sitting there, and I'm usually like playing something on the PlayStation because I'd be set up first, and he's just getting into his little conference room and work that he likes to record in. When all of a sudden I heard like a, well, that's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong there buddy and he was just silent for a couple of seconds because i imagine he was seething and then he explained (laughs) it to me and then someone that worked with him came in to ask him something and then he explained it to him as well also seething uh it was was just another like just when we we were in the middle of the skype call and we're like oh no technical difficulties so far that's amazing and then just like just more abject horror uh, Mark does have a, a long and storied history with uh, technological problems, though. So we'll have him hopefully back next week. He was he thought he was going to have to spend nearly a hundred euro on the charger, but he thinks he found one a bit cheaper that'll get to him a bit quicker. So hopefully you'll hear his dulcet tones next week. But Jack, for, <laughs> oh, he'll melt his laptop with a cheap for, secondhand charger. <laughs> for a multitude of reasons, it's great to have you on the show this week. And I'm going to skip right past one of the things I had the inge- uh, on the agenda was puppy chat. Uh, but I'm going to park that because Mark wanted to talk about my, my new dog. So I'll, I'll save that for him next week. And the thing I want to talk to you about is um, we saw each other in person this week, which is a rare that, enough sight. That's true. That's true. In in London as well. This time it was on my terms. Yeah. After two recent trips of yours uh, over to these fine shores, I, I went over for the weekend. And Jesus, it was it was a busy weekend. Um, I suppose the the most relevant uh, two things to what we do here uh, were a podcast, and we were at the London Podcast Festival, and uh, and saw a couple of things: uh, Attitude Era Podcast Live and James Bonding Live. Um, we'll, we'll get on to James Bonding in a second. What did you think of this? Was you're not really? We were talking about how it's kind of on your maybe C tier rotation of Attitude Era of podcast, the Attitude Era podcast where it would be on my A tier on rotation. Uh, what did you think of the live show? Because I always think podcasts are such a kind of like, for me, they're a walking around or on a commute sort of thing, or if I'm trying to relax before bed. Um, and I'm always interested in how they translate to to a live crowd. H- how did you think that particular one went? 
I think it was a lot of fun. It was helped by the visuals because a lot of the things that they were talking about were appearances of uh, wrestlers from the Attitude Era in various forms of media. And having it sort of on a loop on an overhead projector behind them made it better. But yeah, it was really good. Kevin Mann, former guest of this parish. Indeed. Um, so he he was really funny. And I love his like hybridized stone cold slash Irish voice that he does. <laughs> like where his, where his like, impression is good enough to know who it is but like still him in his voice yeah um, him doing the stone cold steve austin (laughs) oh it never fails to make me cry laughing yeah Um, and he has extremely boofy hair in real life i noticed a a fabulous head of hair and a glorious a, a shockingly tall man as well um but he was getting swamped by his adoring public afterwards i was gonna go up to him and ask for uh ask for my money back after uh I, I ended up buying what four Yakuza games in the last year thanks to him. Um but yeah, that that was great. I really enjoyed that show. And then on the the Sunday we went to uh, James Bonding, which I didn't this is one that's fallen off my rotation. It's a uh, Matt Ryra, formerly of the Nerdist, uh, current writer on the Goldbergs. <laughs> Whatever happened to the Nerdist? Eh? Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um and Matt Gorley, uh, who kind of he does a lot of stuff I, I, I looking up like the things he's been involved in so the two of them a few years ago got together and started doing a podcast they, about James Bond and they used to do it movie by movie working they were they'd go with Dr. No and then the most recent one at the time was Skyfall so the first two episodes were those and then they'd work and meet towards the middle um, so that was an interesting because I was in the middle of a rewatch Bond project at the time with Brian so that was cool but it kind of dropped off uh, my rotation in the last while uh, so I didn't know what to expect from it um, but I had a thoroughly enjoyable time yeah that was also really good Matt Myra has long been uh, a, a guy that I've always enjoyed he was my favourite guy from the Nerdist I'm, I'm not just saying that retrospectively by the way uh, I really mean it and uh, he had a great podcast as well with Kevin Smith talking through Frasier episodes his uh, podcast was, uh, was, was, what was it called? Talk, it was called Talk Salad, salad and Scrambled, scrambled Eggs. eggs. Yeah. A, a pun on the fact that Tussed Salad and Scrambled Eggs was there. There was an intro and exit theme to Frasier. That's when you know a TV show is good, when they have a different outro theme to the intro theme. That To me, that's quality right there. <laughs> um, the, the best outro theme for any TV show ever, slight sidebar, is Aquamarina from the Stingray, uh, Jerry Anderson puppet theater type. <laughs> that is unbelievable in fact dave i think you should drop it in at the end of the show because it's an absolute banger there sure. go on uh, earn your keep earn your podcast keep yeah yeah i'll put it in right <clears> now Yeah, oh, what what a banger that is. Uh, anyway, so I was really happy to see him live. That's sort of someone cool that sort of ticked off the bucket list. And yeah, Matt Gourlay is a very handsome man. Uh, and what a, what a glorious sar- mane of hair. Sartorially elegant as well. Indeed. And has an amazing Ian Fleming impersonation that... Uh, <laughs> 
that topped, that, that topped it, it even topped the uh, Kevin Mann Stone Cold Steve Austin voice. Yeah, it takes so, yeah. a lot to top Bravely Bold Steve Austin, but that's about as low as you're ever going to come anyway. Yeah, he's going to be dining out on that Bravely Bold Steve Austin song for years, isn't he? As anyway, well he should. As, aside from that, we ate a lot of meats, and uh, you saw Eden has a bang and a hat trick. That was <laughs> must have been nice for you. Here you are, hitting your high spots. Yeah, <laughs> I, went, I went to Stamford Bridge for the very first time, which uh, an uncle of mine who tried to brainwash me when I was a toddler into being uh, a Chelsea fan. I, I was actually down as a member of the Chelsea fan club before I actually even cared about football, because uh, my uncle was really trying to get me on side. I'm sure when he saw the photo of me at the bridge go up uh, on Facebook at the weekend, he shed a tear. But yeah, it was good fun. Like, I, you kind of, I'm not saying that you take it for granted because you're a huge football fan, so I don't think you take it for granted. But there are people who would take for granted the ability to just go see a football league or a Premier League game every single week if they wanted to. Um, mm. whereas, it's a very expensive pastime as yeah. well. Like, I commit, like, a silly amount of money to it. I, it, it really is, like, one of my priorities in life. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know that sounds quite Jack, sad. Jack, but... I recall one of the first long conversations you and I had, if I may be so bold as to say that you said the only things you want in life are a mid-sized mortgage and a Chelsea season ticket. That's it, yeah. <laughs> I'd be quite happy. Like, just someone cool to share it with at some point. But you know what? If that doesn't happen, at least i got a season ticket to Chelsea. <laughs> you can share it with the fine people of Stamford Bridge. Um, yeah. yeah, so that was good fun. We ate a, a, a sick amount of barbecue food. I very much enjoyed that. And yeah, we just caught up with a few buddies. We're actually at a really nice pub as well. Uh, I really missed the, the, as much as I'm not a huge fan of his work, the Wes Anderson chill out corner in a pub we just walked into on the last day yeah. was awesome. It- it was beautiful playing Fleetwood Mac and Pink Floyd and just yeah. all of the chill tunes that you can think of. And there was Very just nice. like there was just a, a an actual painting on the wall, uh, like as in painted onto the wall uh, of a scene from the Royal Tenenbaums with Margot and oh fuck, uh, what what's the name of Luke Wilson's character in it? I can't I remember. Re- I really feel like I should remember, but I yeah. haven't seen that film. But the two in a of them. Long- then there was like a mannequin dressed up as Ben Stiller's character from the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, there was a Darjeeling Limited poster. And yeah, there was just couches that you could sink into. And yeah, it was a good time. But yeah, that was that was London. And I'll, I'll be back at some stage probably in the new year, I suspect. Richie, by the way. Richie, that's it. Yeah, there it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, with, with all that London trip nonsense out of the way, Jack, shall we talk about some video games or one in particular? Yeah. Let's okay. do it. Playing this week. Hey, check it out. I learned the baseline from Final Fantasy 2. Scott, you are the salt of the earth. Oh, thanks. I meant scum of the earth. Thanks. Jack Spider-Man is so fucking good. <laughs> oh, man. I'm ha- I had... I've had... Dave, you'd be astounded to hear that I've already 100% completed and got the Platinum Trophy for Spider-Man. Dude, I saw this yesterday. We were having a conversation about it. You asked me, had Mark played it? And as you were asking me, I went onto the PlayStation app on my phone to try and see if, like, go through my activity feed and see if he had, um... It had popped up that he'd played it for the first time, and all of a sudden I see Jack Lazell has got the Platinum for Spider-Man. I was like, hey... And he's not even coming on here telling me about it yet. I was expecting uh, you. I was expecting you to give it the big one, considering <laughs> like in the, in the platinum stakes, um, you're you're kind of you're you're a relative newbie to the getting platinums, aren't you? 
Yeah, it's only things that I really love. And yeah. like I this game kind of consumed my life for the whatever it was, 10 days it took me to to get the platinum, but I yeah. I played it so much. I could played it in any spare moment I had. Like normally I'm a guy that if I play video games, I I, I find it difficult unless it's like a casual game like a Rocket League or a FIFA or like a Tekken or something I can pick up. I like to devote like a, a minimum hour to a video game that like, I, uh, I really enjoy. Final playing. Fantasy 15 was a real sickness of yours last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Uh, and now I realize that I wasted my time <laughs> <laughs> when I look back on it. Because I played Final Fantasy 12 afterwards and I was like, oh, this is what a good Final Fantasy game feels like to play. Um, so yeah, that I, I played a lot. But this one, any like half an hour like even coming out to meet you dave or whatever if i woke up late and i've got like i don't know an hour before the train i would like rush through a shower and play as much spider-man as i could fit in before i had to leave the house and yeah it's just it was so much fun it's it's everything that you kind of wanted it to be in a sense that even just the simple details like traversing around the city and stuff like that are just so much fun to do the combat they could not have got the combat more spot on and like as you unlock more things and get more strings to your bow everything's like really simple button combinations and there are there are prompts you know it's people talk about it being like arkham combat and that's definitely the foundation of it but to be honest like i think the combat is smoother by by far uh than any arkham game like I, i once i got my my combos and stuff down in arkham i was very rarely kind of straying outside and doing different things as i was unlocking them but with Spider-Man, like, the controls in combat are so intuitive that as I'm unlocking stuff and as that's all layering in, I'm using all of it because it's just it's just so simple and it, it gets into your head really easily that, you oh, you remember that if you hit this button combination, you can do that. Or one of the things I've really enjoyed doing since I unlocked it was, you know, you get the additional bounce dodge off a wall. Yes. Um, stuff like that. I really, I think my favorite gadget in the game is the, like, the web grenades. Yep. That you can let the off weapon. and stick, like, three or four people to the side of a truck. You haven't got the concussive blast yet, have you? Uh, no, I'm working my way towards that. Uh, I, I've been my, trying to, my the thing I've been focusing far. on is once I got to a certain point with the combat, the thing I've been focusing on is unlocking stuff so I can get the suits. Uh, because yeah. some, of those, some <clears throat> of those suits are fucking awesome. They are really cool. Just before like, we move completely off the combat, though, the thing that I really like is that there are a bunch of bases you can clear out and like petty crimes you can take care of. And they give you extra tokens like in the game because you need the tokens to unlock the suits and abilities and stuff like that. And have a guess what, Dave? None of these tokens are governed by microtransactions. Isn't Thank so fuck for that. It's so refreshing. If if it, it, I got the same feeling playing this that I got playing Super Mario Odyssey last year, where I was like, if I can get enough of these, I can unlock the Waluigi suit. And I was like, if I get enough of these, I'm getting my Iron Spider suit, son, which is something a jewelry that you've also got. But yeah, every mission, and it it tells you to use different moves it'll be like right web five enemies to a wall in this one use 10 swing kicks in this one um perfect dodge 12 times or whatever in this one and and that way you don't just go into the every battle with the same 
battle plan. It, it makes you vary it. And there's about five or six different types of enemies who attack you in different ways as well. And like towards the end of the game, when you get to like, there's a type of enemy called a sable, which I won't go into too much for anyone that hasn't played it. But like, they start bringing in some next level weaponry, and you like really have to rethink some of your shit yeah. to take those guys down as well. And yeah, it's just awesome because. As you say, there are many games where you just get stuck in one frame of combat, and Spider-Man isn't that. It makes you vary it, and you have a fucking blast doing it. Yeah. Just webbing up an enemy and then swinging the enemy around, knocking out all of his mates, and then flinging him off onto a wall never gets anything less than very satisfying. Being able to grab an RPG midair and swing it around <laughs> back at the guy with the rocket launcher as well. Oh, Yeah, shove this up your hole. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so that's the combat. Um, the world is just, like, it's a gorgeous-looking game. The world is really, like, it feels lived in. It feels, according to a lot of people, like, I've never been to New York now or on the island of Manhattan, uh, to be specific. But a lot of people have said, as far as video game adaptations of New York go, it's not exactly one-to-one, but it's pretty great. And individual locations are like a photograph, um, they're so good. There's there's some really good, like, if you uh, are into your Marvel lore, if you just walk around different parts of town, uh, you'll see some stuff from the Marvel Universe. Like, Avengers Tower is obviously there. Uh, the Sanctum Santorum or is, is there. There's, um, yeah, a few different things like that. I won't spoil it, but I did urge you, Jack, to go and try and find the Wall Street Bull. I did, and it was Lockjaw, and I smiled from ear to ear for about five minutes after I found that, because Lockjaw, despite being bastardized in what can only be described as a criminal in humans adaptation, um, even though it has your man from Game of Thrones that likes to chop off dicks Uh, in it. You and Rian? Ewan Rian, who apparently in real life is a really nice bloke. One of my friends told me that she was at a barbecue that he was at, but like all of her friends were just like, he's he's nice, but I don't want to talk to him because I just think Ramsey Bolton every time I see him and it creeps creeps me out. That poor kid. You just think anyway. about that gif of him with the sausage on the fork. Yeah, where he's like got that little uh, creepy expression. But yeah, lo- Lockjaw in place of the ball was one of my favorite touches. What I think was really cool, I've got a very good friend called uh, Dan Newman who lives in Vancouver and he is the biggest mark for Daredevil that you could ever think of. And But he, he loves Spider-Man just as much. But I think like Daredevil really just slightly tops it for him. And like he bought a PlayStation 4, Dave, just to play this game. And um, that's it. how friend of the that's show how... Keith Brony is on that point as well. I think <laughs> that's how much he wanted to play it. And like I, I was just scrolling through Instagram, and he just took a selfie outside. Um, nelson and murdoch attorneys and like posted it and i just that one selfie just gave me the satisfaction of knowing how much of a good time he was having yeah. but yeah i i didn't i only really got to talk about it but how good is the new york uh city just everything about it they, they fucking nailed it yeah it feels so good uh, it's one of those games where, like, I know if you're not a, uh, an open world kind of guy, like, maybe you tire of some of the side quests because they are, like with any open world game, they're kind of variations on the theme at a certain point. But I think there's enough, like, particularly with the uh, the landmark 
uh, side quests and the backpack side quests, there's enough little nuggets of Marvel lore in there that just keep me going through it and enjoying it. And any of the combat-based um, or traversal-based side quests, because it's such a trip going around, like web-swinging, the web-swinging, as you said at the start of this, feels so intuitive, so spectacular, to borrow a word from Spider-Man. Um that you just don't mind doing it you quite enjoy it um i i also really really enjoy the story it's not um like wacky uh, and and humorous all the time like say the deadpool game was it's not kind of gritty and and combat based and all about spider-man struggles like an arkham game it it feels more like a comic book than maybe any comic book game i've ever played Do, do you get where i'm coming from on that yeah, I think they got the story like spot on as well. Like it, it, it built so nicely. Like initially, it was, it felt familiar, and they they introduced all the characters and the people in it that are in and around Spider Man. Which, if you kind of know the Spider Man universe, you were like, oh, cool, it's that person and that person. And then gradually, they they became more and more significant in Peter's world in a way that if you didn't necessarily know who they are, then they did such a good job of of selling you up to that point as to where they were. So the actual comic book elements of it really came in just from how well that they managed the story. The Peter Parker like quips and voice acting and so, and then stuff like that was really really good. Like. As good, if not even maybe slightly better than what we saw in, in Spider-Man Homecoming from uh, yeah. Tom Holland. And here's the funny thing, um, just before we, we hit our kind of final notes on this, speaking of Spider-Man Homecoming, in three days on sale, I, I, this came out today, in three days on sale, Marvel Spider-Man for PS4 outgrowth Spider-Man Homecoming's opening weekend at the box office. In wow. three days. it's It's already become the biggest selling... Like the sorry, the fastest selling PlayStation game ever. PlayStation really? exclusive, yeah, PlayStation exclusive. Um, it's mad. Like it's just so good. Like it, it's a thing where I, I don't know if I'd give it an objective ten, if you know what I mean, because it's not like revolutionary or evolutionary in any ways. But what it is is it's a bunch of different things done brilliantly, and it's just fun in a way a lot of big budget AAA games aren't anymore. Um, yeah one of the things i really love story-wise before we get off this is just some of the like the burying the lead or playing the long game on stuff rather than just going in firstly i really appreciate that i think this game is set is it eight years after he's already become spider-man so you're not kind of urgent story to up like open your face um i enjoy how like the bad guys aren't just bad already like there's a a couple particularly Otto Octavius who gets a really interesting arc of like real character development and all I'll say on that is uh, because I'm not going to spoil things that happen kind of mid to late game but I will say it is worth your while every time that you're encouraged to go back to Octavius's lab to just have a look around because (laughs) there's like things start showing up in there that start making you like start making you think about things it's really really good uh you've beaten it you've platinumed it i'm literally just at the i stopped last night where it gave me the warning that this is the point of no return that is the last mission essentially yeah Yeah. and then it's there's some really good story stuff that happens after that too 
Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. But this is definitely like in high contention for game of the year for me. Um, I love that game. It's just it is it's just a damn lot of fun. Um, that's it. Like I, this is why last year my game of the year was Super Mario Odyssey. I mean, it did come at a time where I was like having a few struggles in life, and like it really did give me something to just latch onto and put energy into and like gradually i think helped me become like more positive about what was going on around me but yeah. this is the same where it's, it's not like i'm even having a bad time at the moment but the sort of 10 days or so that i played that i just i, I found myself thinking about it at work and and, and things like that like yeah. this thinking about the story and thinking about like what missions i was going to do next and it's very rare that something that all-consuming just takes me over and it felt like even the the, tro- the like trodgier parts of it, like where you do have to kind of go through, you know, side missions or whatever. Like there's a brilliant side mission arc with um with Tombstone, who's like a sort of B tier villain for Spider Man, and that's not really giving anything away because like all of his missions are like named the Tombstone missions when you go into the side mission thing. But just like even things like that all feel really fun to do. Clearing out the bases feels really fun to do and it it never got old and then even the stuff like we saw at previous like showcases or demos or whatever is there's more to them and there's even and they're even more fun to play than you would have thought like the the skyscraper uh mission that everyone gave it about the puddle going missing in you know where it ends with the helicopter stuff um that was from e3 2017 that is a hell of a lot of fun to play. And the mission that they showed this year at E3 on the raft, uh, that is fucking brilliant. I had a great time on that mission. There's way more that happens before you saw the E3 demo and way more after as well. And and then just the going through it is really, really fun. And I was worried when I saw that, um, particularly the raft demo, that a lot of it seemed scripted. But it's really not. Like, you're actually proper swinging around chasing electro uh, around the outside of the raft and it is like the adrenaline of doing that it it just it rushes through you it's just a fabulous game um start to finish i'm absolutely in love with it one last point as well and it's two words spider cop spider cop also i want to say j jonah jameson as the alex jones of this world i am completely on board with i would i totally buy a version of the spider verse where j jonah jameson is a conspiracy theory podcaster it's fucking perfect yeah it it's yeah they they got every detail so great and i i can't wait to play the dlc it's very rare that i get hyped about like dlc packs coming out for games but that there's a black cat dlc that comes out in like a month's time and oh my god if i'm not looking at the the calendar already thinking when the fuck is that gonna be in my life there are there are two other dlc chapters that we don't know about yet and like without spoiling literally anything at the end of the game it leaves a few things hanging and one of the last things that you see that involves Norman Osborn is like jaw dropping. And if that is a DLC chapter, then oh, I could not be more hyped to play that. Yeah. And then there's there's one I will say as well. I won't spoil it because he doesn't come into it until right at the end of Act One. But one of the most beloved cult figures in all of Spider-Man fandom is in this game, and I was so happy he got a proper role in it. Um. Uh, and that will make people very very excited for where they could go with that going forward as well um, uh yes um but we will say no more i think 
Anyway, moving on from that, shall we talk about the news? We should. News on the mark! Jack, this is one that I think may have may have excited the the inner child in you, but uh, I'm not uh, because I was an N64 kid, hardcore. This didn't pop me as much as it has popped others. Uh, Sony has taken a leaf out of Nintendo's book, and the PlayStation Classic is going to arrive on uh, in shops on December third at a cost of ninety pounds or one hundred euro. They haven't announced what the complete list of twenty games is going to be, but they have promised the following: Final Fantasy VII, Jumping Flash, Ridge Racer, Type Four, Tekken Three, and Wild Arms. How are you feeling about the PlayStation Classic? I uh, pre-ordered one, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know why. I uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. I I like it. I think it's a nice bit of memorabilia, if nothing else. And yeah, and it's Fantasy probably VII. too expensive, but yeah, it's it's cool to have Final Fantasy VII in the like hundredth different format. You know, like Mark's thing of like how many ways that he owns. Um, is it Ocarina of Time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same with like Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, and yeah, I it looks really cool. I, I just thought like it, it came at a time in my month where I had a bit of slush funds, and I was coin. like, yeah, I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll chuck some money down for this and, and see what it's about. I've got the NES and SNES Mini as well. I just think they're nice little kind of testaments and nods to the past yeah. even if I, I probably won't necessarily play my I've played my SNES and my NES Mini a little bit but yeah I, it, it's cool it's a cool idea Tekken 3 was the biggest selling point on there for me though that was that was my first Tekken that I really latched onto Dave and uh, yeah like th- that has Tekken Ball mode on it which is other than maybe Tekken Ball my favourite uh, Tekken sort of like in-game oddity that you can that you can play it basically just involved like backflipping like and smashing a ball at somebody <laughs> across the way i don't know if you ever played it it's really fun no i wasn't a tekken kid but i, I am aware of tekken ball and tekken bowl and, and, and stuff like that but yeah i'm, I'm happy just to kind of go off what you said there like I'm, I'm very much happy for the fans of ps1s because i don't have the uh the emotional attachment to this product that uh, a lot of other people had it, it won't be for me i haven't pre-ordered it. i don't intend to that's the first um, one i had new the first new yeah. console i ever owned was a ps1 um i had like a hand-me-down mega drive eventually got a hand-me-down n64 mm. but like the first new console that like my parents bought me and just yeah. like oh that 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 moment of, of of having that and just yeah it was so exciting back in the day. Like one of the first things I remember playing it was Colin McRae Rally. So yeah. it would pop me huge if they announced that for, for Damn it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I also um I have the same with with the N sixty four. As soon as that N sixty four mini gets announced, like fucking get out of my way. I'm getting that shit. Jesus, um, they have to do that. Surely, haven't they? Like already. See, um... I, I think the problem is that a lot of the most beloved games on uh, Nintendo sixty four are rare games. Uh, mm. who are owned by microsoft yeah but microsoft and and nintendo have a partnership yeah. now this is i'll tell you what we are at a time we are closer than we ever have been to any sort of re-release of goldeneye um now that the two we just need the third whoever the rights holder for the video game license for james bond is to uh be cool with it 
But that's all we need now that Nintendo and Microsoft are on board with each other. I'd, I'd love it if it was like some obscure cousin from the Broccoli family. Dude, who, like, like when... there's there's this weird like it's a kind of it's a real inside baseball thing of um, there are people like video games journalists or enthusiasts who have tried to track down like who owns IP for all this shit from the 80s and 90s. Um, and the one in particular I remember, it's a game we talk about every so often on the show, is Windjammers, where for years no one knew who owned Windjammers. And then, because of literally because of Giant Bomb, they started streaming Windjammers on the Neo Geo, and loads of people were like, oh, fuck yeah, Windjammers. And, and then, eventually, a French company called Dot .emu uh, found, like, they tracked down who owned Windjammers and bought it off them and re-released it. Um, so yeah, it's it's crazy. Just like with all mergers and companies going defunct or bankrupt, like when all those uh, kind of mid tier publishers, like Midway and Acclaim, went under, like all their IP was scattered to the winds. Uh, but the the one question I want to ask before we go off here, uh, Jack, if you were to give me give me three games, uh, that haven't been announced for this PS PlayStation Classic that are absolute must haves on your list. Um, okay, to make it a legit, really happy experience for me to own this, Metal Gear Solid, mm-hmm. the original, um, like, Untamed as well. Don't give I- me I'm the sure t- the listeners uh, who have listened <clears throat> to you and I do shows before will be shocked to learn Metal Gear Solid <laughs> on that list. Yeah, don't give me the fucking Twin Snakes version. Uh, because it's not on the announced, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, bundle of games that are appearing on the Switch, Final Fantasy VIII. Yeah. Like, why is that not on there? I would, and you know what? I would have said maybe um, Resident Evil Two, but they're doing a sweet ass remake yeah. of that at the moment. So I'm going to go with uh, possibly the one of the most important games in terms of shaping my my tastes and sort of music and and the the lifestyle. Yet not the ability to compete in the sport. But Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Two has yeah. to be on there for me. Uh, I would have gone Metal Gear Solid. Uh, I would have gone... Uh, had it not been for the re-release this year, I might have gone for Spyro. Yeah, I was um, thinking I was thinking Spyro or Crash, but like they've just both been re-released yeah. in like really beautiful formats, so I'm good with those. Uh, I, I would have maybe liked to see Siphon Filter, because that's a real blast mm. from the past, Siphon Filter. Good call. If I'm going obscure, I'd go like Vagrant Story or something like that. <laughs> Um, but I can't, yeah, I can't think of uh, anything outside of that. Like, I think a lot of the, the stuff on it is obvious. And I think with Capcom, or not Capcom, sorry, uh, with Konami in particular, not doing a fucking thing with Metal Gear Solid, I, I, that's such an open goal. Like, even if you just have the machine and it was just Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid, that thing is doing gangbusters. Yeah, people would still buy it because yeah. fuck it. They Wait till someone would. chips it and you can get everything you want on it. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> Um, moving on from that. Look, this is one that's not in the the news this week, but we need to mention it. Toad from Mario was trending this week. Oh, man. Now, <laughs> Do we need it? <laughs> now, but this is an impressive feat of gymnastics because uh, we have a certain policy on this program that the person at the heart of this story is never mentioned by name on this show because this is a happy place. Um, but I, I can't not, like... Because of the amount of... There was a load of Nintendo fan accounts that were just like, hey, when you see Toad is trending, that's so cool. And gifts of Toad. 
And then, oh. like, minutes later, going, oh, no, 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 no. Because they finally clicked on the hashtag. That is, yeah. A, uh, a, a, a man that we will refer to I as... Believe, t- I, I believe we called him on this show before a tangerine micro-limbed cretin. I see. I was going to refer to him by the impossible to, to figure out alias of Tonald Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had a, a certain part of his anatomy Is compared like to... Lisa S. No, sorry. L. Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I tap your foot, <laughs> and ask you how Hello, you are, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Thompson. Yeah, big, big Simpsons ref in a big spot there for anyone who gets it. Uh, yeah, weird. Uh, did they say specifically it was the N64 Mario Kart in- yeah, incarnation yeah. of Toad? Uh, a, a former, uh, an infamous paramour of the leader of the free world described an appendage of his similar to uh, that mushroom from Mario Kart. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's got very stormy for our boy uh, with some of these descriptions. Oh, he, he ain't my boy. <laughs> Unless you're talking about Toad. <laughs> I'm talking about Toad, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that would be apparent. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's just poor Toad. I, I honestly feel like the person that comes off the worst in all this is Toad. <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, that's the least favourable comparison of all is poor Toad. Yeah, uh, I mean, are we saying it looks like it with or without his... Yeah, the, his, <laughs> his infamous de-hatting in the Mario Brothers animated series. <laughs> yeah, but we now know that's just his head, right? Yeah. That was official uh, Nintendo canon earlier this year. Uh, I'll leave this story and get back to the actual important news uh, with <laughs> Jamie McKelvey, artist of Wicked and Divine, who said, Thinking about how Toad is just the purest, cutest video game character and how nothing could sully his image. Now to take a big gulp of coffee and check Twitter. <laughs> oh, man. Between, I, I, between that yeah. and Batman swinging dick on Twitter this week, it's been a really weird week on the internet. <laughs> Did you see that? Um, speaking of Batman, did you see that thing a few weeks ago? It's like a it's like a Teen Titans type thing, but like a, a sort of a more hard edge, like fifteen oh, yeah. rated thing. Fuck where, Batman, where Robin says "fuck Batman." Yeah, that's uh, cringe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bored with that. Yeah. Um, sad news here: Capcom Vancouver, best known as the developer of De- the Dead Rising franchise has been shut down. In a statement provided to Kotaku, the publisher said that the decision to close Capcom Vancouver had been made following a review of titles currently in development at the studio. It has now decided to cancel the development of projects at the studio and will concentrate development of major titles in Japan. So the whole thing has been shut down. 158 jobs lost, which is... Oh, wow. It's awful. Like, we always... seen the numbers. Yeah, we, we always hate to hear things like this like very talented people like when that dead rising franchise had momentum um it was pretty damn good pretty damn fun uh these people will find work i'm sure um but my my best goes out to them but to me jack this seems like a classic case of the last one you could argue two dead rising games didn't exactly knock the socks off a lot of people didn't do great sales wise either uh, and do you suspect maybe it was a case of Capcom, like someone from head office went in. It's like, hey, Capcom Vancouver, what are you making? Another Dead Rising? Fuck off. <laughs> maybe. I, I think, yeah, you've got to look at the the commercial performance probably. It, it could be as critically acclaimed as you like, Dave. It could have been like a 10 out of 10 
and everybody raving about it, but it's it's more the commercial performance of those last couple of games. It's a shame because Dead Rising was a really awesome original idea, you know, coming out, and it, it was before there was just there was over zombification in like yeah. not just video games but all media. Culture, so initially. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, so the zombies were like one of the original things in it, which got hackneyed fast. And then the whole you can use anything as a weapon was just bettered in every way by by Hitman. Yeah. So all of the cool like original points that, that made it interesting have been done. And they really just didn't evolve the concept as much. And mm. uh, it's a shame. You hate to see people lose their jobs. But I think Capcom probably just looks at it and they're like, we're just going to have to cut our losses here. Especially and it, Capcom it hurts back. to see anyone in Vancouver lose their jobs as well. Yeah. Ha, ha, my, one of my good friends lives there, and I, uh, uh, yeah, that sucks for those people. Yeah, like especially when you see that like Capcom is doing so well elsewhere. They had one of their better years ever, I think, this past financial year, uh, yeah. owing in no small part to them bringing back the granddaddy of zombie games in Resident Evil Seven last year. Um, so, like, what do they need? Uh, something like Dead Rising, which was just treading water for. Um, but yeah, as you said, sad to see these people lose their jobs, um, but hopefully they'll all land on their feet. Uh, in a bit happier news, uh, it looks like we're getting some remasters of uh, classic Castlevania games on the PS4. Thanks to, and this is my favorite way for a game to accidentally get announced is when it pops up on a foreign rating board. Uh, and this was the uh, the ever-reliable, uh, according to Eurogamer, the ever-reliable Korean game rating board, which had noticed that uh, Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, and Rondo of Blood have been rated for the PS4 in Korea under the new name of Castlevania Requiem. <laughs> um, Castlevania, I'll tell you what, Jack, before we kind of get into where, where your hype is for this. Castlevania, one of the best franchises for naming their games. Oh, yeah. Oh, my R- God. Like, the pomposity of, of Rondo of Blood. Is, yeah. Rondo, Rondo of, of Blood, Symphony of Night. There's like Harmony of Dissonance as well was one. Like there's so there's great ones. <laughs> Wasn't that a Tom York side project album? <laughs> yeah, it does sound like it. Um, are you a big Castlevania guy, Jack? How are you feeling about this news? I like Castlevania. I've never really connected with it too much, but it's kind of one of those times where I think just anything and everything old ip from the past that has any sentimental value is gonna be repackaged and sold on on a modern console like it's been rated for ps4 when do we see that on uh, switch you know probably a few months later maybe i don't know if capcom and 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 or if like they've given the exclusive rights to ps4 but yeah it's just i'm all for things from the past showing up in a purchase purchasable format because these are the sort of things that probably you could not buy this now if you wanted to like legally you might have to rom hack or all all sorts of stuff and it's always like the itunes argument isn't it if you give somebody a clean and legal way to purchase something that will make them happy they will do it if you may have to make them jump through hoops or go and buy old tech then they're probably going to pirate it so cool for castlevania and yeah requiem just just really nice. who, who aren't aware of some of the great names in the franchise i just pulled it up here so among the games with the castlevania heading on it are castlevania legacy of darkness castlevania circle of the moon castlevania harmony of dissonance castlevania aria of sorrow 
Castlevania, oh, yes. Lament of Innocence. These are all like doom metal albums that I want to listen to. I think I saw Lament of Innocence uh, support <laughs> for Iron Road. Maiden. <laughs> they supported Maiden at some point, yeah. Uh, Castlevania, Dawn of Sorrow, There's Curse of Darkness, Portrait of Ruin, Order of Shadows, uh, Order of Excelsior, Harmony of Despair, Lords of Shadow. Like, oh, Dave, of- do you know what? There's a game out of this where it's like, can you tell me whether this is a... Scandinavian metal band <laughs> or a Castlevania game <laughs> or a Castlevania yeah. game like if you could pull that together and and, uh, and get some for Money Robinson on the next show yeah. this is me clapping enjoy <laughs> at how much I will be very glued to that my, my favourite by the way of the lazy ones that they did apart from Castlevania 64 <laughs> was Castle- oh. Castlevania Dracula X <laughs> which would you believe came out in the mid 1990s <laughs> i i can't believe that yeah i just like castlevania let's grab lunch yeah would be castlevania, you know. another one yeah castlevania like sounds of bacon frying uh, here's anything an, here's an interesting one that mark put on the agenda uh see what you think of this uh you can now download and play your digital nintendo switch games on another switch console with minimal fuss thanks to a new system update so the 6.0 firmware update landed this week to kind of get the thing ready for the switch online service which we'll actually i think we'll talk about as part of this discussion um but it allows you to set your own console as your primary switch kind of like the way playstation does and then log into other switch consoles and play your digital games there if you or someone else plays a game uh, you own on another switch uh, and a game is started on your primary switch then the game on the other switch will be paused playing on a secondary switch will also require you to stay online your primary switch will be the console you logged into first, although this could be changed. You just need to deactivate your current primary console and then activate it on another, and there's an infographic, an infographic from Nintendo to explain how that works. Seems like a similar system to, to PlayStation in as much as you can uh, put your digital purchases down on a secondary console, but it kind of stops you from being able to play it on two consoles at the same time because, obviously, they don't want you to be giving all your games away to your mates for free. Yeah, I understand that. And that's by far the least douchey of some of the restrictions they've put since they've uh, updated the console, which I'm sure we'll speak about in a minute. Yeah, Uh, let's talk about that now. Um, So the Switch Online service came up this week, which means there's now a paywall on online games unless you're Fortnite or possibly it seems like it's going to be third party games going forward because they don't want to have to fucking... um, they, they they have enough trouble trying to get third party <laughs> support on Nintendo platforms. They don't want to yeah. add a add a paywall. Um, I will say the thing I've always said about it is like for twenty quid a year, it's by far the most competitive uh, online service. It's kind of rough for people because they're just paywalling online access, which we already had up until this was here. But it's kind of like it was only a generation and a half ago or so where Sony and Microsoft did the same thing. It's like, oh, you're enjoying this network play, are you? Well, now we're going to charge you for it. Um, but the the downside of that is uh, because PlayStation Plus and games uh, games with gold have gotten so good in trying to outdo each other. Um, you're getting by far the least value for money with the Nintendo thing. Yes, it's only twenty euro a year. But uh, all you're getting for it in terms of free games, where you get two free games a month on two or three free games a month on PlayStation, four free games a month on Xbox, 
uh, all you're getting on this is a library of I think it's twenty NES games. Uh, but yeah. they're ones if you're in a, if you're if you've any way been invested in Nintendo over the years, you already own these games seven ways from Sunday. Yeah, I I got it. So and yeah, so I got I. the I got the free trial. I got the NES thing and it's cool. But you know that the wrinkle with the NES thing is that you have to sign in like to the internet like once a week just to make sure otherwise it becomes not playable which i just think is a bit like come on guys these this nes is, games do not remember uh microsoft getting fucking pilloried for suggesting a similar system with their games yeah and you're right on the games with gold thing now if once a month we got like say one of each of the following like an n64 game a gamecube game a snes game and a nes game yeah. like say we got one of each of those a month and even like just one like of each i think yeah. people would be fine with it but at the moment that that doesn't really aside from being able to do something that you could already do for free if a, a, a few days ago yeah. that doesn't seem like a real kind of kicker to it yet they need like a I guess it's probably going to be Smash, but... Yeah, yeah, it's going to be Smash, because, like, Ger- uh, Jeff Gerson was saying in Giant Bomb this week, he's like, the biggest multiplayer games on um, Switch are probably Splatoon 2 and Mario Kart 8, but for most people who aren't obsessed with those games, they've already played them, because they came out last year. There's no real hmm. incentive to get the service for them now until, like you said, something like Smash comes out. Um, the other thing I will say that I'd be in favor of is an idea that it may have been the giant bomb cast. Somebody put it forward that maybe you would do a tiered membership where at the 20 euro a year level, you would get a, a mixture of NES and SNES games. And then for an extra, say you go up to 40 euro a year, you would then get some N64 games and the occasional GameCube game. Cause let's not forget in the design doc that leaked, that was pretty much fucking spot on about what the switch was going to be back when it was called Project NX, uh, one of the things that was listed in it as a huge feature was they were finally going to eventually debut the GameCube Virtual Console. So it, it exists in some stage of development, which makes me think either it's going to be rolled into this service as the real, okay, we need people to subscribe, or it's going to be a thing where they'll just, like they did with the N64 on the Wii U, they'll just pop out the occasional remaster. Yeah, maybe. I... I just still like they they make it difficult, don't they, Nintendo? Yeah. Like they give with one hand and take away with another hand. Like they get as many things right as they get wrong. So yeah. it's kind of it must be like being a Spurs fan, being ah. being a Nintendo fan. Shout you just <laughs> yeah, big up, big up, Niner. <laughs> Everything goes right for a while, and then they just do something where you're like, ah, oh, I could have done without that. That that is not great. So. I don't know. It depends how it does, though. Well, if enough everyone... about Serge Aurier. <laughs> enough, enough about uh, Vincent Janssen. But, like, it... <laughs> I wonder if it does not so great if we get more stuff. I, like, I wonder how they're reacting and whether they've got, like, contingencies for whatever they do, like, what the number is of people that subscribe, if it's below expectations. Because it doesn't really cost them a lot of money to just open up the doors to the vault and go, oh, let's just toss them Super Mario 64 and, like, you know, Mario Golf and blah, blah, blah. Like, all of these things that they could just put on there. Pokemon Snap, fuck it, for, for like for nothing and then more people would be like right so i pay 20 quid a year and i can play pokemon snap you know when i'm out in the shops 
I'm going to do it like straight away. So yeah, I, and specifically that would get me if I hadn't already bought it to buy it. So, so yeah, we'll see what happens with it. But at the moment, it's a tad underwhelming. I will say though, like even though there's not a huge amount of those NES games available on Switch that I'd be like, oh, I need to play this right now. The UI is slick as fuck on that uh, NES collection. Oh, it looks really cool. Yeah, I I played like a bit of tennis. I played yeah. a bit of Donkey Kong. It snaps I, I in and out of the games really well. Uh, I, I like that, which is, I suppose, the least they could fucking do if I'm paying them money now. Yeah, uh, and you can pre-order like a cool like NES controller, like wireless yeah. as well, which I think is nice. Oh, yeah, which snaps into the side like the Joy-Cons, but it's only compatible with these games. Yeah, it's it's an it's dollars. <laughs> is it really? Oh yeah. god. It's annoyingly cool, but I don't think I'm gonna be paying sixty dollars for it. Mm. But then Nintendo stuff never goes down, so I guess if I want one but I don't <laughs> want one, I don't want one sixty dollars. Forty quid or We'll whatever. have you back be... on in a couple of months and talk about how they are now that you've bought them. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Don't act like you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes I do. Um Speaking of stuff coming out on Sega uh, on Nintendo Switch, Sega Mega Drive Classics are going to get a release on the Switch. Uh, the Mega Drive Classic compilation is coming to uh, Nintendo Switch, already available on PS4 and Xbox One. It's over 50 games in the list. It's pretty much the greatest hits of the Sega Mega Drive. It's really weird to me, Jack, and it's great because we have Nintendo Switches, how like the Switch has bridged the gap in the 90s console wars. Uh, as of today, or as of, I think today, the Crash Collection came out, or recently the Crash Collection came out on... Uh, nintendo switch so you can now for the first time on the same console play a sonic game a mario game and a crash game that is really cool yeah it's nice like that kind of collaboration is just good for everyone involved like if someone's spending it's like when when the mac and like microsoft like whenever they make their shit compatible with each other you know when you can get like a microsoft office on a mac or like a, a facetime on 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 a windows or something it just it, it it makes everybody it doesn't matter about the choice it just makes things better for the consumer and yeah the idea of being able to play like streets of rage 2 uh, on a switch like just smash that out for like a half an hour in a tube journey or something is really fucking cool that appeals to me a lot uh, I'm going to start for the sake of time, just uh, cut out. There was another loot box story, but I have a feeling uh, Mark has a bone to pick with that loot box thing, so I'll leave that for him next week. Uh, let's talk about Shadow of the Tomb Raider, um, which is the third installment in a franchise I'm a big fan of, uh, but I'm told that this isn't... Um, it's not. I, I'm told that Shadow of the Tomb Raider is not as good as Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I thought was really... If it had come out earlier in the year, I would have fought for it hard to finish high on my games of the year that year. Um, I thought the original... Or not the original, but like the, the, the 2012 there, thereabouts reboot. Or was it 2012 or 2013? Something like that. Uh, the, the rebooted Tomb Raider that came before it was decent. Uh, apparently it's better than that but not as good as rise of the tomb raider um but sadly uh, and this is a, a kind of story i feel like i've been saying a lot lately uh their physical launch week sales were down 70 percent wow on the on the tw- it was a 2013 reboot uh her latest lara croft's latest adventure failed to top the uk chart too held off by another am- amazing week of sales for marvel's spider-man yeah do we think that 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 has probably hurt them just as much as I w- like i i would say so uh 
and definitely there's some we've talked about this before on the show that's definitely offset some because like if you think about it in the five years in between 2013 tomb raider and now uh just the the digital market has exploded now i don't think to the extent where 70 percent of the sales could be written off on it but certainly like that will account for maybe i don't know 10 or 20 percent could be now on on digital sales uh but yeah it's coming out at this time of year where you're getting marvel spider-man is out let's not forget that one of the all-consuming games for the uk charts every single year fifa is out next week um fifa such a sales giant in the uk that i think this week is the first time it's fallen out of the top 10 fifa 18 since it came out last year and if it's not the first week it's fallen out in the whole year it's only it's one of very few weeks um so that's coming out red dead is out in a month so if you have a game like tomb raider where the reviews are oh it's kind of just more of the same I think in this day and age, Jack, you, you you may disagree with me on this, but I think a lot of people are being smart and going, this seems like a January sale game to me. Yeah, it would. I, I probably, I don't know. It, if it continues to struggle, though, they might start cutting price on it before Christmas. Yeah. I'd quite like to get this under my belt before we do the Game of the Year show, yeah. at least just like have a bit of interaction with it. You might get but a like, cheeky Black Friday discount. That's what I'm saying. For sure, I'm not paying top dollar for this. I remember last year, like, Wolfenstein just started discounting oh, and discounting like and 30, discounting. 30 quid or something for, like, uh, a couple of days around Black Friday. It was ridiculous. Yeah, you could get it, like, super cut price. So I, if that happens, then I'll definitely pick this up. But I'm not rushing to, to go and pick it. I really haven't finished either of those games, though. I'd played sections of both of them. So I I was always a big Tomb Raider guy, like PlayStation. That'd be another one for the the mini PS. Would Mm. probably be like a Tomb Raider 2 or something that that I would like. But yeah, I'll pick this up, but probably not full price at the moment. And yeah, Spider-Man, maybe uh, I'd like to see, say, like projections of sales for all other games in the market at the moment um, and see if everybody is suffering because all of that money is going on Spider-Man. Like, it's an expensive time of year for for parents because all the kids have just gone back to school and, like, uniforms, etc., are, like, really expensive. So if there's, like, one game coming out and, like, a, a parent is like, right, you can either have Tomb Raider or you can have Spider-Man, just due to the absolute cultural sensation it's been, yeah. I feel like Spider-Man is going to win a lot of those. And maybe it's just not quite the right time for Tomb Raider. Mm. Yeah. Um. A game that will delight stoners of the last generation. Um, Katamari Damacy is getting a re-release. Um, it, it's being remastered. Uh, it was on the Nintendo Direct. It's coming December 7th. It's called Katamari Damacy Reroll. Uh, Jack, you were telling me you had no fucking idea what Katamari Damacy was. Uh, did you watch the trailer? And if so, how confused and or terrified were you? I really don't know what the hell's going on. There are like, f- like storks with um, roller skates on. There's a giraffe. There's a rainbow mountain. Yeah. It all looks like something that Matt and Trey Parker from South Park have graphically put together. There's like yeah. a there's pandas. There's a guy with a fucking magic carpet for a face oh. and mushrooms. And yeah, I, I if I like this minute long intro, everyone do yourselves a favor and watch the Katamari Damacy intro and just tell me like if you have any concept what the <laughs> fuck 
is going uh, on. Allow me to explain. I went to the uh, the the Wikipedia because it's such a weird fucking chill out stoner game that it's hard for me to explain succinctly. I have uh, reeled in Wikipedia to help me out on this. So the game's plot concerns a diminutive prince on a mission to rebuild the stars, constellations, and the moon, which were accidentally destroyed by his father, named the King of All Cosmos. This is achieved by rolling a magical, highly adhesive ball called a Katamari around various locations, collecting increasingly larger objects ranging from thumbtacks to people to mountains until the ball has grown great enough to become a star. Katamari Damacy's story, characters and settings are bizarre and heavily stylized, rarely attempting any semblance of realism, though the brands and items used are based on on those current in Japan during the game's production. And then Howard Moon and Vince Noir come in and foil Katamari Damacy's plans. (laughs) Yeah, damn right. It's fucking... Dude, it's so fucking weird, but I I love it. It's it's so chilled out and bizarre, uh, and it definitely is like it's a proper stoner game. I think this is Noel Fielding's favorite video game. It I, must be. I would like say looking so. at it. It looks like a storyboard art I, for. I am not for... a man who has ever partaken of the substances, but uh, having played a little bit of Katamari Damacy in my time, uh, it certainly feels like you have when you play it, uh, and I'm sure it did when you watched the trailer as well. I didn't even know what just happened to me. There were so many mushrooms in that trailer. Like, they're not even being slightly subtle about <laughs> just hitting you over the head. Yeah. Um. So, the other I really thing- want to listen to The Grateful Dead now for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um. I, I want to talk, finally, Animal Crossing news. So we got a double a double barrel of Animal Crossing news at the end of the Nintendo Direct last week. Uh, the first was that Isabel is coming to Smash Brothers, uh, and it was really funny. <laughs> really? Because, yeah. The, the, <laughs> wow. The uh, the emotional roller coaster people went on. It was a sight to behold being on Twitter uh, when this happened because it opened up like it was a new Animal Crossing game, and then as soon as the Smash Brothers graphics came up, like my entire newsfeed was like oh you motherfuckers <laughs> because they thought they had the bait and switch and then at the very end of the ad it uh, it comes to Tom Nook who then just announces a new Animal Crossing game and everyone was right back up on mountaintop singing again yeah um, yeah so we've got no a new brainer. It's, it's dated 2019 this was one of the, the big Nintendo franchises that hadn't come out yet or been announced should I say um yeah. Waiting for that Pikmin game, Dave. <laughs> yeah, Pikmin uh, is probably the... Oh, and F-Zero, which we're absolutely not getting anyway. Oh, um, please. <laughs> uh, so yeah, P- Pikmin is probably the other one. But Animal Crossing, are, you seem to me like a guy who might be into some Animal Crossing. I did play one of the Animal Crossing games for uh, for the DS back in the was day, that, day. Was that New Leaf? Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, it's very addictive and it kind of has that same uh, feel to it that I, I never actually got around to playing. What was the uh, farm sim that you and Mark got super into? Oh, Stardew Valley. Yeah, I, I downloaded that and then I didn't start playing it. Probably Man. because I was so I was so terrified by the way you guys would describe it. The same reason I never... I, I played Minecraft once for like a day and that was it. Like, I, I, I just don't want these things to happen to me. Yeah. Uh, 
It's almost like people saying it's so good, you will spend so much time on it. I just don't want it to eat my life. But yeah, Animal Crossing is a great game. It's a lot of fun. It's very addictive. And it's an absolute no-brainer to have it on the Switch. I'm surprised it's taken this long to announce. Mm. Uh, Final bit of news here that I'm just throwing out the last second, Jack. Uh, You remember me advocating a game to you last year by the name of The Dark Side Detective, correct? Yes, uh, you're going to give them some pluggage here. I think so. The Dark Side Detective is a game from Spooky Doorway, who are a studio out of Galway in Ireland. So rep them, my boys. Uh, West Coast. It, West it, Coast is the best coast, Dave, and you know it. Oh, that was a, I got a West Coast pop out of that, my friend. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, aside, <laughs> from, aside from the fact that they are an Irish studio and I always want to support the, the Irish scene... Uh, it's a game the dark side detective season one was a game i fell in love with and it's very much a me and jack style game in its um sensibilities and humor and style and the things it references and the way it completely breaks the fourth wall it's hilarious uh it's it's one of the very few kind of modern point and click adventures that are good um loved it it's on it's on pc mac and switch but they announced uh, after teasing it for several weeks, that Dark Side Detective Season 2 will be coming and they launched a Kickstarter to get it funded. Uh, the goal is €35,000 after, I think, only four days on uh, that they've been live, maybe even less, I'm not exactly sure on that. They have already reached nearly 19000 of the 35000 so that's really good. They've got nearly 700 backers on it. I'm looking at it here. Um, if you go on, go if you just look up the if Darkside Detective was your kind of thing, or if like a weird halfway between Gareth Marenghi's Dark Place and Twin Peaks point and click adventure game is up your street, then you might want to give them a look. There's there's different tiers and stuff. I won't get too deep into it because they didn't pay for advertising on this podcast, but there are different tiers that you can back them at where you get season one as well as the upcoming season two involved. I think you only have to get on at the 30 euro level or something like that um to get both seasons um i've backed it at the 60 euro level because there's like a cool art book and um soundtrack album because i think the soundtrack is pretty banging in it how Um, many euros is it to get them on this podcast (laughs) i'm surprised you didn't do that oh man i just love this game so much i would love to sit down and chat with the spooky doorway people Um, are their dms open dave that's the question because if you don't ask you don't get, my friend. Uh, the The game, if it gets funded, is due to launch in, in February of 2020. Um, and, like, I don't back many things like that. Um, I only back projects I, I believe in. And uh, we won't talk about it, but I got burned on one that we recently went to see. <laughs> yeah let's 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 quickly move on from that yeah but um this one there there are guys <clears throat> i want to get behind and it's an all and nothing funder so like if it doesn't make its goal you'll get your money back uh, i think it's till october 12 they they have to get a... <laughs> excuse me to get Bless it funded you. to get it funded so uh yeah check it out there if that's your kind of thing but it's a game and a studio i really believe in and uh happy to see the the irish video game development scene coming on leaps and bounds uh people really did like that game it was a bit of a sleeper hit hop the irish indeed uh all the news is out of the way my friend it is time to go to the link to the cast book club which is our weekly feature where we talk about a video game that you may not have played or it may have been a while uh, so we're just going to sit down and talk about it, um, about a game and a related topic this week. We're going to talk about uh, superhero games, 
uh, movie tie-in games and in particular a game that's relevant to us now with a game we gushed about at the top of this program the game is spider-man 2 club me some books Spider-Man 2 is a 2004 action-adventure video game based loosely on the Spider-Man 2 film. They are follow-ups of the game Spider-Man the Movie and the series is followed by Spider-Man 3, published by Activision, of all people. Uh, Each of these console games have different developers, uh, with Treyarch being the most common. Uh, in these games which sounds so much better in an irish accent Mm, indeed uh it takes place two years following the events of the first game spider-man is trying to balance his civilian and superhero life frequently later absent for school work and leisure time with friends following dinner with mary jane watson peter thwarts an armed looting of an art museum and tracks down the escape robber the black cat soon after this he thwarts an attack in the streets of manhattan by the rhino Meanwhile, special effects artist Quentin Black tries to prove that Spider-Man is a fraud by challenging Peter in a series of games, Spider-Man emerging successful. And it continues on and such, and there's the kind of like the weaving in and out of the Spider-Man 2 narrative as it goes. Um, I thought I'd bring this up this week on the program, Jack, because uh, I think there is a real hit and miss uh, history behind movie tie-ins and behind superhero games on consoles. And I kind of wanted to to chat it out with you or with with Mark as we had originally intended about maybe before we get into well actually let's start with Spider Man specifically first because I think we could get lost in the in the weeds on the on the broader conversation. Uh, was the Spider Man two game something you played at the time or was it something because it is spoken of in kind of hushed tones of, uh, and and awe in hindsight? Um, what's your history with this particular game? Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I I did play it when I was younger and and very much enjoyed it. It's up to that point. It was well up to the point of about a week and a half ago. It's probably still the best Spider-Man related game. Mm-hmm. They just got the the sort of web slinging mechanic yeah. spot on, and it was just a lot of fun. It was a joyful game to play, and they they didn't harp. It was Spider-Man two, and it kind of broadly was the design of um of toby Maguire's spider-man outfit from the movies and stuff but it didn't really try too much to to try to tie into the movie really which was good and yeah i mean there was obviously the doctor octopus stuff in it but then there was a bunch of other stuff in the game that that wasn't <clears throat> anywhere near the film so yeah i i enjoyed playing this game i think it's kind of look back on as as one of the sort of premier examples of a film game actually coming off because there's a lot of 
you know opposites of that like you know there's a there's a quarry in america filled with copies of, of a video game that was tied into a film that was so bad so yeah something like this is great but then that might just be because i like spider-man i don't know but it was it was it probably say that after that first spider-man film and just before the second one came out spider-man had never been as popular in the cultural lexicon as it was at that point. So it was timed very well, and it delivered. And then Spider-Man 2, the film comes out, and it may still be, for, and it is for a lot of people, the best Spider-Man film. Yeah, Um, it is still for me as well. I really liked Homecoming, but Jesus Christ. I mean, Spider-Man 2, the whole thing with Dr. Octopus. Yeah, Spider-Man 2 is like a Shakespearean drama. It really is, yeah. I mean, an Alfred Molina, it's still one of the best villains well, in any yeah, well, comic book movie. Was it you and I were talking about that recently, where it's like, what a call <laughs> shot must that have is been. from the casting <laughs> Who else people. would be talking about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what a call shot from the casting people, where it's like, oh, who will we get to play this this, this uh, Otto Octavius? I know, fucking Alfred Molina. And he was great, by the way. Yeah, oh, absolutely superb in his role. All of this, of the, all of the scenes where it's like Alfred Molina just talking to Peter about science and his relationship with his wife and all that sort of stuff, going into the kind of detail where you knew she was immediately going to be deceased within the next ten or fifteen minutes of the film, but uh, it it was so good. Anyway, sorry, I've distracted us. This is not popcorn social. This is linked to the cast. So I I very much enjoyed spider-man 2 but is there any other movie slash superhero related games that you want to big up because i've got a couple of Um, of big hits here that i want to talk about okay i i'll tell you what i'm gonna hand over to one that i don't know if you will have on the list um and it's one that it's a real crying shame that like at the start it, it it exposed the problem with the all digital future that it's going to become very hard to find some digital-only games if a studio collapses. Mm. Uh, And that game, which I think is phenomenal, and I am so sad I have no way to play this game anymore, is Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. It was really good. Oh man, that game was so good. It was so like the comic. Like, I know the movie. I love that movie to bits, and I love those comics to bits. But there was something about that game that was great. Just this old school beat em up that was just so perfectly stylized. God, I loved it. And you just can't buy it now. No, I know. Wait till that appears on Switch. Uh, and then the other one. Um, who owns the rights to that? You want uh, to talk about your, your digital guys who like hunt down who's got rights, but who owns the rights to the. So it, the, the game was published and <clears throat> developed by Ubisoft, but the rights, I'm pretty sure, for Scott Pilgrim IP are tied up with Universal Studios. Oh. They're going to do fuck all with it. Universal sit yeah. on stuff. It's yeah. like, well, there Dude, hasn't been Universal, a Hulk movie. Universal have had fucking Namor <laughs> this whole time and done nothing. Yeah, but why would you? Because <laughs> he's, spe- he's a spectacular fucking weapon of a man. <laughs> yeah, but it's a B-tier, like, Aquaman. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had Scott Pilgrim vs. The World of Game, which I love. Uh, one that I keep giving love to on the podcast as well is the, the NES uh, adaptation of the Judge Dredd movie. Uh, I'm telling you, the 90s wow. Judge Dredd movie, that, that is a surprisingly good game. 
I mean, I have to take your word for it. I've never had any experience of that. It, it's proper good. Uh, I really like it. But uh, hit me with some of yours if you've got a list there. Uh, I do have a couple. That, I mean, how soon do you want me to just go as route one as fuck on this? Do it. Just you. You do you, my friend. Go with what your heart tells you. Dave, I mean, the Route 1 one you've probably already talked about in one of these segments. If if you were going to name the greatest movie video game tie-in of all time, what is it? Wait, John Wick got a game? <laughs> if only. And, like, Keanu Reeves would have to play John Wick in that game, otherwise I'm not yeah. buying it. By the way, can I just say, as well, while we're talking about Keanu Reeves... God, for a game that should have been a straight-up slam dunk to, uh, like... Uh, as a movie adaptation boy is there a patchy history of matrix games yeah <laughs> i don't think i've ever properly played a matrix game but i've um, never heard anything good about any of them I, I, that makes I, me want to i owned both enter the matrix and the path of neo and let me tell you they were so bitterly disappointing oh uh, but go on what what is this game revealed for the listeners it is Goldeneye, Dave. Yeah, you're damn right it is. <laughs> the little game that could. I think uh, that was probably in fantastic. the first 10 or 12 episodes we did that. Yeah, and there's a reason for it. It not only was revolutionary, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and they just got the sort of feel of it right. I love the film. I love the music. I love the style of the game. Everything about Goldeneye is just brilliant. And yeah, that that's very much up there for me uh another one i've got which is by the way before we move on rest in peace alec trevelyan oh yes r.i.p uh big sean lad many many deaths and many many ips still waiting for ned stark to come back in game of thrones but spoiler alert but i don't think it's gonna happen no so so. one that i really liked and there's a lot of games in this sort of oeuvre um, that were, were fired out by LucasArts, but Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast is the goddamn best Star Wars tie-in video game, and fight me if you disagree, because I, I, I love that game. You know what? I have a real soft spot for the the uh, the Lego Star Wars original trilogy, the first of those Lego games. Yeah, they're really fun as well. I remember playing a Lego Star Wars game in the library I used to work in with on uh, with a couple of kids, and they loved it. Uh, I know a lot of people say that um, the oh the Wolverine Origins game was at orders of magnitude better than the film. Yeah, Wolverine Uncaged, I think that's called. Yeah, it's yeah. meant to be really, really good. I just never got around to that one either. Like, I can't comment either way did you have any experience of that uh no i remember seeing it in the um in my local extra vision and laughing <laughs> at the very <laughs> idea and it wasn't until years after the fact that you were like oh no it was actually pretty good i was like oh <laughs> okay so, so the another one i want to bring up this is super from the past is the aladdin game that i think it was originally oh, yeah. on the either the genesis or the mega drive but i remember playing it around my friend biggs's house who had a sega and playing like the living fuck out of that game and it just so much fun the magic carpets and just the music and everything like larger than life brilliant brilliant game the one that, one that i got on one that I love from when I was a kid, but I in in retrospect now it was almost certainly terrible. Was the Space Jam game? <laughs> There's a Space Jam game. Oh man, your boy Ryan was obsessed 
with Space Jam as a kid. Because, like, I don't think I'd ever seen basketball in my life. <laughs> you know what? Neither had I when I saw Space Jam. And I saw it with my nan, who normally took me to see, like, Disney slash WB Looney Tunes type films. And she was probably sat there thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And, and in hindsight, one of my favorite jokes in any movie ever, uh, when uh, Bugs Bunny just calls Bill Murray Dan Aykroyd. I don't know why <laughs> that still tickles me, but it does. Yeah, as if that's the one of the two that you'd really want to... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, um, yeah, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this pitch. It doesn't Danny DeVito's character in it say that as well. Yeah, yeah, the guy who's, like, the, the boss of the monsters. God, that's, R- such a, that's such a great but definitely terrible movie, Space Jam. There was a, like, period in the 90s where Danny DeVito was doing so much animated voiceover work, yeah. and he's got such a brilliant, brilliant voice. And then Is all of a sudden... Fern Gully? Yeah, and obviously in in The Simpsons, as as Homer's extremely successful, then extremely unsuccessful, then ex- successful again, brother Herb, um, Herb, Herb yeah, Herb Powell, and then just stop doing it, and it just no longer does any voiceovers and in, in animation and stuff like that. Um, I want to <clears> say <throat> there's also a patchy history of Lord of the Rings games. Uh, I am a huge personal fan of Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers on PlayStation Two. Yeah, heard that's just, very good. Yeah, which is just like a fun kind of like character action game where you can go through the the whole campaign as either Aragorn, which is obviously what you're picking because you have your head screwed on right, uh, or Gimli or Legolas. Um, can you not lo- be Boromir? <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly. <laughs> and see that death scene again. R.I.P. R.I.P. Big Sean. Game. You, you, you spend the whole of the Two Towers game just floating downstream with a hundred arrows in your back. <laughs> Pretty much, yep. Um, yeah, so there's that. But then, apart from that, like I know Brian uh, would slate me if I didn't uh, mention Lord of the Rings The Third Age, the online game, which he's a big fan of. Um, speaking of Star Wars as well, there's Knights of the Old Republic. It's not based specifically on any... Uh, existing film but people do love that one uh what else have you got um i don't know if this counts but like is a fast and furious ah. uh is that kind of loosely based on like video games or I like the other way around i'm pretty sure they tie in yeah, with each like, other at some I, point i know that like after Fast and the Furious and Too Fast, Too Furious, that we started getting loads of those, like, Need for Speed Underground type games where, like, drifting and drag racing were a huge yeah. thing. Yeah, and I was gonna say, like, Need for Speed Underground was a oh, really man. good fucking game. Like, a, a huge... really good game, but I don't, yeah. it doesn't really count, but it kind yeah. of does, if yeah, you know I don't what think, I mean. I don't think that game exists without... Uh, oh, no way! Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely not directly based on it. Like, I'm trying to think... Um, Obviously, the the big one. It's not directly based on anything, but Arkham Asylum. Um, being oh, like I was of, a, oh, that was my closer. <laughs> yeah, that that like is the, the the granddaddy in terms of like it draws not only from the movies but also the comics and the animated series in particular. Um, a fabulous trilogy of games. Uh, and the reason I say trilogy is just to make Mark see that he's not here to bury Arkham City yet again. <laughs> what? Why was Arkham City so bad? He hates it. He hates it so much. I'll try set him off next week on the show about it. So tune in. <laughs> I see. He just, okay. He just. Oh man, he gets so angry about that game. 
It's really <laughs> funny. Really? <laughs> yeah, he really does. It makes him so mad. <laughs> uh, um, why? Oh, I'm by not, the way, while sure. we're talking about, like, as well, do you remember, if we just want to go on the opposite side of the spectrum, like, there's so many good examples, but did you ever see that Bad Boys 2 video game that they made? No. Oh, my good God almighty. Just do, everyone do yourselves a favor and just look up the Bad Boys video game. It uh-huh. is so craptacular that you will have to endure watching, like, a playthrough on YouTube or something. But, yeah, that is... To me, I remember somebody in school having it. Oh, I fucking remember who. And I was just around the house playing that. They had that and like 50 cent blood on the sand uh, as well. Uh, yeah. That's actually on the list to come up uh, next time we have Peter Willingdon from staying in on the on the show. He wants to talk about 50 cent blood in the sand. Does he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the, well, in fairness, he's the guy who came on and his game that he picked was Vin Diesel's Wheelman. So the man's got taste. I love how spectacularly strange and intelligent that guy is. Um, I don't know if this counts, uh, but can we say Simpsons games here? Can we yeah, say Simpsons Hit and Run? Simpsons Hit and Run was real, real fucking good. Like so much fun. I played the shit out of yeah. that when I was a kid. Um, I don't know if it counts though, because it's like two. I don't know if movies, TV, do they tie in with each other? But yeah. Here's one for you that I only remembered in researching for this program, and it blew my fucking mind remembering it. Do you remember in 2006, EA made a Godfather game? No. Isn't that just what Mafia games are, though, really? Yeah, essentially. Like, it, it, it they kind of, like, GTA and Mafia would be nothing without... Um, the godfather but the, the wild thing about it and i do not remember this at all because i never played it it actually got pretty decent reviews really <laughs> like the aggregate score on metacritic is um the the highest one is 77 for the xbox xbox 360 and wii versions of the game it also came out on pc ps2 ps3 and psp wow Dave, you'll be really amused to learn, and I don't know if you've ever seen anything of it, that in 2003, to tie in with what was surely going to be a, a like 10 out of 10 successful reboot of a franchise that was going to just be massive, is the Charlie's Angels video game, oh, which dear. actually featured the voice talent of Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, who oh, must no. have been wondering what the f- fuck they were doing they probably got paid like a shit pile of money for that as well sure and and it it apparently like it was so glitchy the characters were so poor and that like they were meant to all have unique fighting styles but they essentially were just kicked and punched that it just it has been panned as one of the the worst uh movie game adaptions that's ever been made because now i'm I'm letting you focus on the positivity and i'm just finding all of the giant fuck-ups from history that i i remember but yeah Two, two relatively recent ones that uh bear mentioning here uh the planet of the apes game that came out like earlier this year or late last year around the same time as war of the planet of the apes is apparently pretty damn good uh, and the one that I need, I, I remember in the back of my head to point out, not based on any one particular film in the franchise, but certainly the best that this franchise has been represented in many years as the actual films have let it down, and that's Alien Isolation. 
Mm, yeah, that is meant to be really, really good. Which um, really I, captured the feeling of that the first two films, like the the isolation. Of I've it. heard uh, Colonial <laughs> Marines is oh, a real kip. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> just ask your boy at Jim Sterling about that one. I think. Um, but even I, I think will we will we close on? Do you have any more there? I do, and I want to close on, on this yeah, because you, you 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 give the the end of your list there. <laughs> my li- literally my. When my brother bought me a Game Boy uh, back from his sojourn over to Israel um, when he when he was younger, he brought me a Game Boy that had two games on it. There was a god awful like I want to say No Man's Sky esque, but obviously nowhere near as in depth Star Trek: The Next Generation video game <laughs> that came with it, but also. An absolute knockout smash hit. Can't believe this movie didn't do any better. And the game was obviously clearly just as good was the fucking Navy SEALs game, son. (laughs) 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 On the Game Boy. And I played the hell out of that Navy SEALs Game Boy game. I loved it. Because that was the first video game I ever had to myself. I could play whenever I wanted. Now, about two months later, my dad bought me Tetris and... I quickly forgot about my battered yeah. copy of the Navy Seals video game. But you know what? Like I still have fond memories of my world just being opened up and blown apart and me getting this Navy Seals game and playing this shit out of it. And I wonder if copies still exist and if somebody's like probably like rommed it or somewhere and if there's any way to play it I'd, I'd love to play it again just to see if it brings back any memories but yeah everybody my number one choice <laughs> for this segment <laughs> no not really but yeah um, so one thing i want to finish on so you hit pretty early on on what i think might be the most commonly agreed upon greatest uh video game adaptation in goldeneye but uh, James Bond has had an interesting history with games. I, I think the maybe the worst attempt at a James Bond game was the attempt to do a sequel to the GoldenEye game. Yeah. Um, which I did play, and it was fucking poor, Trash. let me tell you. But one thing I actually want to talk about here is there was um, a, 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 a little streak... Uh, on the the PlayStation 2, early PlayStation 3 era, where they started doing their own continuity and, like, basically their own Bond film games. And I think a couple of these games are are, are underrated. Um, people do quite enjoy the From Russia With Love game on PS3, although I have never played it. Uh, I, I have heard people who did quite enjoy it, but the two I want to talk about... Um, just very, very briefly here, because uh, I don't know if you've played them. We've literally never discussed them, I don't think. Uh, are Agent Under Fire and Nightfire, which were the, the first two James Bond games on PlayStation 2. And I think Agent Under Fire specifically was the third game I ever owned on PlayStation 2. I got Smackdown with it, and then I bought Silent Hill 2, and then this game. I, um, do, I did have Agent Under Fire. I had... The, there was a world is not enough <laughs> oh man yep. there was a world is not enough playstation game that i had and then there was an agent there was agent under fire and i don't know why but I, if you if you insist that they're really good but i just I, had I, negative I, memories of both yeah, of those experiences I, look, I wouldn't say it's it's amazing agent under fire but i do think it's it's underrated in the the history of of bond games 
Um, it's kind of like nothing was yeah. was Goldeneye, so maybe everything was being held up to that yardstick. Yeah. Like, still now, we haven't had a, a good James Bond game. I think they stopped trying to make them, like, was the last one Legends, it was called? Like, James Bond Legends or something, something and that like must that, have yeah. been, like, maybe a decade ago. It yeah. was quite a while ago. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, it was a pretty good game. I remember at the time thinking like the the physics in the game, like how the cars looked. I think the opening, um, the opening of Agent Under Fire involves you speeding around the narrow streets of Bucharest in an Aston Martin. Um, it definitely got the James Bond vibe. Uh, and then Nightfire, which I don't remember a lot of the campaign of, but I'm gonna say this now, and like I will, I will die on this hill. Since not including, but since. Goldeneye 007 on the N64. This is the James Bond game with the best multiplayer. Um, okay. They try. They tried in pretty much every subsequent console James Bond game to get a good multiplayer mode going, but it just wasn't very fun. Nightfire. Oh my god, the hours me and my friends played Nightfire on PS2 because none of them were N64 kids, so they wouldn't crack open Goldeneye with me. Um, but yeah, the multiplayer on this is a lot of fun. Um, and it got it was a uh, it has about an eighty rating between if you split the difference between game rankings and Metacritic, um, and yeah the the, the kind of the debt match mode on there and the use of the I used to love trying to snipe people using the Moonraker laser, um, it, it's good stuff. It was it was a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, we, we'll end on that I think unless you have any uh, late contenders to go in there, but uh, just Navy Seals. Yeah, just Navy Seals, and yeah. As we started this segment talking about, Spider-Man 2 was probably the most beloved uh, superhero movie tie-in specifically. Uh, And it was the most beloved superhero game of any stripe until Arkham. And it was the most beloved Spider-Man game of all time until two weeks ago. (laughs) I I even say this now, and and maybe it's just because I'm so fresh. I'm I'm putting that Spider-Man game as my favorite ever superhero game I've played. And that's yeah. going to be my mic drop moment for this episode, I think. Hey, look, I'm not going to argue with you. Like, I'd still have to... Uh, I'm going to have to finish it, platinum, and think about it before I, I put it over Arkham. But I definitely wouldn't say that you're insane to say something like that. Um, but that just goes well, to show... You would be wrong! <laughs> <laughs> that just goes to show the listeners at home, like, just how taken we are by uh, Marvel Spider-Man on PS4. and They should definitely check it out. They should definitely make a Taken video game now that you've just said that, or or have they? Oh, you look it up there, uh, because I have a feeling maybe they did. Did they? Oh, okay. I don't know. So it the... feels like something in the back of my head that had to have happened. For homework for our next show together, Dave, however long it is before Mark gets his shit together. Yeah. <laughs> And even if it's the last show we ever do, we have to review the Taken video yeah, game. If it exists, we'll look it up and we'll we'll try and get back to everybody on if that If not, one. we're making a Taken video game. Uh, we... I am starting to learn how to code tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point in the show, we usually announce what the game for next week is, but uh, we don't know if Mark is going to be back for next week uh, and it's supposed to be his turn. So if Mark is back, then he'll pick the game and you'll be pleasantly surprised when it drops in your feed. If not, Jack may be back on here and get to pick his And we're game. doing Metal Gear Solid 2. Ooh. Oh yeah. <laughs> and Keith Brony is coming on too. <laughs> Damn right. Happy birthday, Keith Brony, by the way. Friend of the show. It's his birthday today. 
uh, as he said on Facebook, he's celebrating the season finale of his 20s this weekend. So I've been there. It's a rough enjoyed. time. <laughs> that is to be enjoyed. Anyway, that's going to do it for another episode of Link to the Cast. This podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcasting platforms. Just search for Link to the Cast. Subscribe, rate, review. It all helps. Tell a friend as well. We really appreciate it. The website is linktothecast.eu. It's where you get all the latest links, uh, the show notes, everything like that. If you want to get in touch, drop us an email, linktothecast at gmail.com. But the quickest way to get in touch with us and to see our content as it drops is social media, which is facebook.com forward slash link to the cast or at link to the cast on Twitter. Individually on the tweet machine, the man on the line here to me is at Jack Lazell. I am at the day to Dave and Mark, who's usually on the program, is at Lithium Project. If video games aren't your only interest, we may have the podcast for you. We have the Grap Up, which is our once in a while pro wrestling podcast, which we've not done in a very, very long time. Uh, and we also have the Popcorn Social, myself and Jack. If you like hearing us banter about movies and video games, this is our exclusive show talking about the silver screen, all the latest and greatest movie offerings. We have a spectacular show coming up soon, I'm sure, where we <laughs> where we get to talk about Gone in 60 Seconds at some considerable length. Um, yes. These podcasts, plus our weekly link to the cast flagship broadcast are all available on the same podcast feed so one subscription to link to the cast will do the trick and of course if there are any episodes you want to go back to search for them all over the website jack i want to thank you very much for being on the program once again saving the day at the last minute uh when mark's power cord interceded um yeah i just have two plugs yeah go for it so the first plug is the navy seals game (laughs) (laughs) And the second plug, as always, is Marcus Alonso's deliciously luxurious hair. Oh, look at it. What a bonnet. You saw it in person, and now you can believe that it's real. (laughs) Always on brand is Jack Lizelle. That's been episode 123 of Link to the Cast. We shall see you all next week. Yeah.